today to This Needs to Be Said, TNTBS, and I am your host, Catherine Waddell. There is such a need for people to be able to be truthful today. We've been tactful all around the world, and in the midst of that, trying to fit in so we conform, we want to be accepted. Then one day you ask yourself, what is my truth? While digging through a lot of baggage, gathered from wanting to belong somewhere and not sure what you believe, there's a crying out for all those things that should be said that are not being said. No longer will we pretend that there are no issues to address or that we are only going to talk about certain ones. This show, coupled with our blog site and our website, will be the beginning of you finding your way. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. You were thinking it. We're going to talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us today for This Needs to Be Said. We're going to get into some motivational um, discussion with Deanna Heiliger of Me to the Power of We.com. Looking forward to spending this time with you on today. You've taken time out of your busy schedule to just sit back and learn from us. We're going to take a short break and come back and get into the discussion with her. And I want you to take pen and paper out because she always has some wonderful nuggets of wisdom for us to use. likes free stuff, right? What if you could access a directory full of free stuff like magazine subscriptions, ebooks, video e-courses, business consultations, online memberships, and so much more? You know, stuff like that. Deciding to become an entrepreneur is tough enough, so why not use free tools and resources to help you on your journey? Grab your piece of the free stuff at www.project-push.org. Then click on the free stuff link near the top to get started. www.project-push.org. Have you ever wanted to feel more balanced? Do you wish you felt complete and whole? 
Do you want to be well organized and grounded? More joyful and less stressed? Would you like to have a positive outlook on life, which will in turn enable you to feel empowered? Then join us at www.metothepowerofwe.com where you will be inspired and stretched to become a better you and to discover your personal journey to greatness because together is better. Dysfunctional families are part of our modern reality just as much as global warming and pollution. Sadly, bullying, peer pressure, and feelings of angst and confusion are also part of how we experience life on a day-to-day basis. Eric Daniel Shine and Teresa A. Gates took all these things and combined them with fantasy-related elements, myths, and legends, thus creating a touching and inspiring story of pain, change, and joy. The Monster Junkies, an American family odyssey, is a heart-touching novel about tolerance and acceptance. The author said that each and every single one of us is a monster junkie because we wear masks on a daily basis, be it at work, in school, or when we hang out with our friends. We must learn to go beyond the surface level, beyond the mask and the labels, and see people for who they really are. The Monster Junkies, an American family odyssey. Being a normal family is a state of mind, is a book geared towards teens, and one we encourage you to go purchase today in the Kindle store for just 99 cents. The book is also available in hardback and paperback. Order your copy today at http colon forward slash forward slash bit dot lee forward slash monster junkies. That's M-O-N-S-T-E-R-J-U-N-K-I-E-S. Order your copy today, The Monster Junkies, an American Family Odyssey.
Thank you for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. We're going to get into some travel talk, but right now we're going to talk with Deanna Heiliger. Deanna, what do you have for us today? Hi, Catherine. Today we are going to talk about um, acting like a dog. We are going to try to act like a dog today. Okay, I'm waiting to hear what that's all about. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, I am, you know, when you think of a dog, unless you're a dog lover and you have a dog, maybe you think, oh, gosh, they're, they take naps all day, they bark, they growl. Um, so if you're in that frame of mind, I just want you to kind of put that aside because we do not want to act like a dog in that regard because if we napped all day, we'd be very lazy and unmotivated and procrastinating. So that's not what we're looking at right now. If a dog is barking, that's probably an equivalent to us yelling and being angry and snapping at people, and that's not what I'm talking about. And if a dog is growling, that's kind of like us complaining. So I'm not going to look at that part of the dog, because we all have those little things in our lives now and again. Hopefully they don't overtake us, but that's hopefully the exception and not the rule. So what we're going to be focusing on is kind of like our friendly, happy family dog. And I'm going to show you how if we act like the dogs, those dogs, how our life can be enriched and better for us and everybody around us. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, A dog is a man's best friend, and I think we've all heard that. And I believe it's true because if you've ever had a dog, um, they really are a really great companion and a a best friend. So um, I'm going to go through some observations that I've made about my dog and as I was thinking about this I thought wow these are the traits that I wish I possessed all the time and then I thought wow if everybody acted more like a dog this would be a nicer more peaceful more loving place to live so that's that's where we're heading today Um, I do have a funny little quote because I have to have one one harsh word per episode, and it says, learn a lesson from your dog. No matter what life brings you, kick some grass over that shit and move on. I love it. You know I love it. You know I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's our bad word of the day. So, yes, they kick kick the grass over it and they move on. They don't think twice about it. So we can kind of learn from that, too. We, We tend to dwell on our negative things and keep tearing it up and smelling it and thinking about it. So we're going to cover it with grass and move forward. So, um, Catherine, do you have a dog or have you ever had a dog? When I was little, I had a dog. Okay, so you might think about this. Was it a a good friend, a best friend to you, a little companion? Well, for me, it was a chore because I didn't get to choose. (laughs) I didn't get to choose the dog. It was my mom's dog, but we we had a dog. But yeah, she she was okay. a family member, but very very much um, more important than the kids, according to my mom at the time. You didn't need to ask me that, did you? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's good because I'm I'm thinking that some of the listeners may think you know kind of the hero dog's the best friend, and what can we learn from dogs? And they kind of shut down because they don't have a positive experience with a dog. So like you're saying, if your dog was just a chore, you had to scoop the poop and feed him and take him for walks, well, maybe it wasn't a companion to you and, and you wouldn't have reaped the benefits of having that partnership. So 
I'm glad that you brought that up. So if you feel that way, listeners, um, just kind of put those preconceived notions to the side. And, um, yeah, so just kind of listen. And like you said earlier, if you want to take notes, because I'm going to reflect on this list of qualities and traits because I'd like to act more like my dog. So, All right, well, I'm listening. Uh, Let's go. Okay. All right, so number one is loyal. And you can ask yourself, wow, am I really loyal to my friends and family and, and people who I live with? Because dogs are known for that. They're loyal like no other. So, you know, they stand by our side, they walk beside you, and they'll defend you if you get in trouble. Most dogs, some dogs are kind of um, mentally not as smart. But um, you can be confident that they will work through you. If, you know, if you're sad or bummed, they'll lay down right beside you and, and lick your wounds. So they're very loyal. And... Some people I know are very loyal and some people have a hard time with that. And it's not just if you're in a romantic relationship or a marriage, it's loyal to your friends, it's loyal to your boss, your job, loyal to yourself. If you make a commitment to yourself, do you follow through and stick with it or do you kind of cheese out on it? So um, we can learn to be loyal from our dogs. Um, Ask yourself, do you have this trait? Most dogs are friendly and I'm not talking about the mean pit bulls or the dogs that have been abused that are are not friendly but the the sweet family dog that I refer to so um, I would say that I think if a dog could smile that they would because they're just wanting to please you they're just wanting to love you and be loved so I, I would think that the closest thing to a smile for a dog is their wag of their tail you know they just shake that tail and they're ready ready to be um, friendly to anybody. Um, Another way that we can be like a dog is unconditionally loving. And I wrote a blog post about this a long time ago about how when I was a teenager, I did something pretty bad and and I was grounded. And my dad um, was kind of giving me the silent treatment. Like he was so upset with what I had done. And that, you know, he punished me and I was grounded, but yet he was still, there was that tension between us and you could cut it with a knife and I just felt so ousted. And I told him, I said, wow, dad, when the dog does something wrong, you scold the dog or punish or whatever you do to correct behavior. And then the next minute you're loving and hugging and petting and, you know, having a good time with the dog. So, uh, you know, I was like, wow, why, why don't you treat me like that? So the unconditionally loving part is that, no matter how upset we get at our dogs, say they chew something or they mess the carpet or, you know, like a teenager, do something wrong, they always come back to love you. They don't have a grudge or they don't, um, you know, their feelings aren't hurt. Well, he scolded me, so I'm going to shy away. And we can really learn a lot about unconditional love from that point. Um, They love you no matter what. And we can act that way towards our kids, and the kids can act that way towards us if we can learn that from our dog. And it leads me to my next point in that they are forgiving. So, like I said before, dogs don't hold grudges, and usually the owners don't hold grudges against the dog. So they love you no matter what, and their actions show you that they're very forgiving. And they don't get angry and stay angry. So I think this is a really great thing for us because I think forgiving is really a hard thing for human beings. 
we like to hold on to those hurts and relive them in our mind and in our heart and play that story over and over again and tell it to anybody who will listen. We've been wronged, blah, blah, blah. Um, But if we can learn one thing from our dog, I think this would be the, the biggest one, is that, you know, to hold grudges and stay angry is so unhealthy for us in every every bit of way. Uh, the next one is playful. So ask yourself, are you playful? Because you know what? We work, 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 one task to the next, busy, busy. Our schedules are so crazy. So are you playful like a dog? They are always up for a good game. You grab a tennis ball and look who comes running. So are you that way? I know we used to do that when we were kids because, you know, after school we'd want to play and we'd run outside until the streetlights came on. But somehow when we grow up and become adults, we lose that playful nature. And I'm guilty of that as well. I, You know, there's so many things to do. You know, all day you're doing stuff and you've got to get the kids and cook the dinner and showers and beds and homework and all the daily tasks that we sometimes forget to play. So there's more to this list, Catherine, but what are your thoughts so far on the ones we've gone over? Is anything jumping out at you and calling at you? I'm guilty of not going out to play. Um, I am a loyal person to a fault, and when I thought about that, I was like, I feel bad for the dogs because they are um, extremely loyal. I, I have picked that up from people that I know that are dog lovers and they and I'm like wow and and for those that I've known they've been good to their their pets or their their family friends and or pet parents they've been good pet parents but for the dog just being that loyal and as a human being that loyal that hurts sometimes Deanna so I was listening to you say that and yes I am loyal but is there um maybe I'm being too loyal I felt like I am and maybe I have not been but I feel like I have been so that that jumped out to me, and then um, getting outside to be playful. That you know, I have to like schedule that. So yeah, those mm-hmm. things have jumped out to me, and I just want to know your thoughts on that. About is there a possibility of being too loyal? And um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, is there an easier way to make it natural than me having a schedule to go outside to blow bubbles? <laughs> okay, those are great. Those are really great points. Now, the loyalty one, and I, I get that, where you can be too loyal, and that's where people get hurt and they get walked on and taken advantage of. So to balance that, you need to make sure you have healthy boundaries because you can be loyal to a fault, as you say, and be taken advantage of. And unless you stand your ground and say, you know what, I'm loyal up to this point, but I don't feel comfortable doing this, or you made me feel this way, so I'm really not going to partake in that. So I think you can kind of um, uh, adjust your boundaries a little bit so you don't feel that you're loyal to a fault, because being loyal is a very great quality, but yet, like you said, you don't want to be a doormat and be walked over. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's a great point. I love that. And the playful part I think, you know, we do have to schedule that because we are so, so busy. Days turn into weeks, and before you know it, it's next year, and what have you done to nurture your soul, and how have you been playful? So I think you have to make a conscious effort. You do need to schedule that, Um, whether it's, like you said, blowing bubbles or going to play tennis or rolling around in the grass, whatever it is that helps you de-stress and makes you feel kind of like a little kid. And even, maybe not physically, but you can, you know, I I read this once, take a coloring book and color 
you know, kind of takes you oh, back to that's fun child. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Or play with Play-Doh or, you know, just do something that kind of makes you feel like a kid again. So, okay, we're going to go on to the next next several, and then we can talk about that again, uh, what jumps out at you. So uh, dogs are enthusiastic. They lack no enthusiasm, if you notice. So you open the car door, and they jump in. You grab a leash, and their tail begins to wag. You call their name, and have you noticed when you call a dog, uh, they don't kind of mope over and saunter, what do you want? You know, they run over, their whole body's wagging, and they're just ready. They want to know what's, what's next. How, how can we have fun? How can we play and be loving? And so that is a really great example because, again, with all of our tasks and our busyness, sometimes our lives are mundane. We are not enthusiastic. And I, I saw something the other day that said, you know, look at your city, look at your life, look at your day-to-day errands as you're running about as if you're on vacation. And you will see things a lot differently. You will see things in a new light, and maybe that will bring a little bit of enthusiasm back into your life. So there's a good little exercise to try. Uh, Dogs are your biggest fan. And so when you interact with the people you love and the people you see every day, do you act like you're their fan? You know, those, ah, ah, that feeling of seeing someone, ah, or do you just, see someone and, oh, there's old Ned, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you can be somebody's biggest fan, and it is the butterfly effect. You make them feel special, then they go make somebody else feel special, but your dog makes you feel like you are the only person that matters. And we can really work on that with the people we interact with every day. So here's another thing that we can practice. You know, when you get home after being gone for a minute or a week, who runs up to you? Your dog does. Your dog runs up with, he's your biggest fan. There's enthusiasm and playfulness and loving uh, emotions that come with that. So when your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or child comes home, do you just, you know, hi, or do you run up and, kiss them and hug them and how was your day and and act like you're their biggest fan. If you begin to do that, you're going to change the environment in your home, in your workplace, and so on. And, of course, it it can't be contrived, but you can feel that way and and others will will feel it. Um, A dog is a true companion. And my dog is an Australian Shepherd, and those breeds are very, very smart. They're herding dogs, and she herds my kids, and she she wants everybody to be together and safe, so she's very bright. Um, I'm not sure that all dogs are, um, but she can really feel when somebody in our family is not feeling well, and it seems like she kind of listens to us, and she can feel our energy and our vibration, and it's almost as if she can read our moods. And she responds appropriately. So if we're kind of sick and laying on the couch, she's not going to jump around and bring the ball. She's going to kind of lay down next to us and be our companion. She's going to be sensitive to what we're feeling. And do we do that? Are we compassionate? Are we a good companion to someone? Are we sensitive to the way people feel? And I feel like if my dog and I could actually hold hands, if she had an opposing thumb, that we would. 
because she's my little companion and that's how much she reads me and feels me. And there's two more. Happy. Dogs are happy. And I know that there's a difference between happy and joyful. And happy is usually temporary, like, oh, these things are going right, so I feel happy. And when you feel joy, it's just from within, and you can feel joy whether things are going bad or good or what have you. But um, so happy and joy, let's kind of lump that together with this, that, um, you know, dogs are very happy. They don't get mad. They don't hold grudges. They don't have unforgiveness. So dogs are pretty happy. And are we happy? And along with that, happy, joyful is grateful. Are we grateful for our lives? Do we picture our lives, like I said, as if we're on vacation? Do we see the goodness and the wonder in our life? Or do we kind of mope about? So being happy, joyful, grateful, that's all tied in. And the last one that I've observed, and also, you know, there's many, many others, but the last one is trusting. Um, do we trust? Do we trust the process of life? Do we trust others? And yes, Catherine, you're probably going to jump on this one about, you know, people have misused trust. Um, I'm kind of more talking about just trusting. Like dogs don't worry. They don't worry where their food's coming from. They don't worry about the weather. They don't worry about how they look. They don't worry. They trust. And so do we trust? Do we trust that all is well, all is as it should be? If things are going wrong, let's learn from it instead of dwell on it. Let's trust in the process. So those are the last ones. I'd love to get your feedback on those. All of those are, um, I was like holding my breath like, oh, gosh, gosh. Um, but those are all good. I think the first one, um, just being loyal, and when you said to put the healthy boundaries, that made everything else more um, easy, made it easier to digest. So I'm, I'm sitting here listening, and I'm thinking, gosh, and now I think I want a dog, Deanna. But um, <laughs> just as I'm... <laughs> just as I'm thinking and, you know, reflecting, because you ask us to do that each time, am I doing this in my life? Do I trust? And I have to say, it's been maybe the past year that I've been in a better position to say, yes, I So much for the technical world. Sorry about that. I lost everybody really quickly. I was saying that over the past year, I think I'm in a better position to say I trust the process of life. I didn't realize, you know, when people say go with the flow, I thought it was a cop-out. I thought, oh, you're not going to take action. You're not going to do anything, you know. And the more I'm around people like yourself, and Coach Tony was talking on yesterday as well, give your subconscious an opportunity to work. 
um, allow things to happen. Like you said, the dog doesn't worry about their hair. No, they don't. And as women, we're guilty of it. Some guys are too, but as women, we're guilty of, oh, my hair has to be in the right place. So we're worried that somebody's looking at us, you know, and that hair that's out of place or, you know, so every once in a while I'm saying, you know, I'm going to run errands and I'm going to, you know, like you said, have have fun with it. I'm on vacation. When you're on vacation, you go and you do a bunch of stuff in a little bit of time and you're excited about it as opposed to when you're at home and your day-to-day routine, you're trying to do a lot of stuff in a little bit of time and you're mad about it. I don't know why it's different, but we are. Um, so all of this is good stuff. I'm just reflecting going, wow, I've grown in some areas I need to continue to work on. So this is always, it's always good stuff, but, yeah, I think I want a dog now. <laughs> That's good. Well, and I, I feel guilty that, um, like, and this all kind of ties back to uh, being so busy and, you know, and, and I do say no to many things. I don't overbook, but just, you know, having four daughters and and life, you know, I am guilty of not rushing up to my husband and giving him a big old smack and hug when he gets home. That's I am guilty of that. I'm either cooking dinner or doing homework or, you know, we, we kind of get so consumed in our own little emotional bubble in our life that we're focused on that, you know, we, we might need to kind of take a step back and watch the dog. You know, dog runs up to my husband every time, wagon tail, mm-hmm. looking for pets. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. And I, I'm going to make a conscious effort to be better at that because it, it just feeds love. It feeds the marriage. It feeds the relationship. And, just think if you greeted all your friends with that much enthusiasm. And you love. know, I've done that sometimes and it, it for, for a guy that I'm dating. And they'll say, well, what's all that about? And it's like, I'm just happy to see you. And I would consistently do that. And one guy was like, I don't deserve all of this excitement. So if someone's been on the other end where they've been rejected, what do you say about that? Hmm. Well, you know, we're all on our own journey and if you know it seems like if someone has says that I don't deserve that that's kind of their own baggage their own self-esteem issues but if it feels good and you're spreading love and cheer I I say don't hold that back I mean you don't certainly want to make someone feel uncomfortable but you could tone it down a bit but if you're generally happy to see someone and you want to run up and hug them and oh it's so great to see you that is empowering and that is just I think the world needs more of that Honestly. Mhm, mhm. I agree. I figured that they just weren't the person that deserves me being that happy to see them, which means they they weren't around much longer. Because I was like, why do I need to be mm-hmm. sad or um, you know, just mellow? You know, just when you come in and just look at you like, oh, it's you. And I didn't want right. to do that. And if they couldn't receive that, and that means to me, it meant well, that means you're not going to show me that you're that happy to see me either. So I want to give that love, I want to receive that love, I want it to continue, you know, to I just I just want that energy there because when they did that it made the energy in the room just go, you know, just down. Right. You feel their negative vibration kind of drags you down instead of you being able to lift them up and that's huge. And another thing that goes along with that is that time doesn't dull the relationship between the dog and his family. And what I mean by that is sometimes in our relationships, romantically speaking, um, you know, everything's so fresh and new the first six months or so. You're on your best behavior and you see that person and ah, you kind of take a, a sigh like a, you're just, oh, my gosh, I am so happy. And, you know, a year and a half later, 
You're just, oh, hi. You know, and the dog doesn't do that. The dog's love and unconditional um, loyalty and friend, friendliness and all that, it doesn't die down. The dog can be 14 years old and still greet you at the door and wants to play and love on you. So we need to be conscious of that, too, in our relationships with our children, with our loved ones, you know, that we're not just, uh, because it's morbid. But you don't know when it's going to be the last time you see that person. And you need to you need to celebrate them that, hey, they're in my life and I am so lucky. And, you know, so think about the dog in that regard as well, that they rush up to you no matter, you know, five days or 14 years old. All right, this all sounds good. Always, always wonderful. And I have to say this, Deanna, every time I, I'm able to witness pictures of you and your family interacting, it, it's just amazing. I'm, I feel the, the love and the joy from the pictures. And I know some people say, well, you know, people, you can see, see anything in a picture, you know, but I consistently over the past year at least that I've been looking at pictures of you and your family on vacation and just the time that you spend together, I just I always want to know how do you keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you. Uh, my siblings and I, I have three siblings, so there's four of us, and we're five years apart from the oldest to the youngest. And so we've, we've grown up very close and we're very connected. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people who say, oh, there's all this drama in my family and these people aren't speaking. And, and we're very lucky in that we're all best friends and we're 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 just we're very close. We communicate. We help each other. I guess we act like dogs to each other. We we honestly do. We're the best of friends, and we nurture those relationships. And um, you know, it takes time and energy to do that. And all of our kids, all the cousins, they interact the same way because they see that. And I just think it's important. You have to nurture those relationships. And mm-hmm. it's easy. It's easy not to because you get lazy and busy, but if you make it a priority, you know, act like dogs, and your your relationships are going to flourish. That's, that's a fact. Now, is that something that you all were taught growing up, or you all decided this is what we're going to do? Where did you I all just, get that example from? I just think it's how we were raised, not that it was ever said, but we've just always, yes, of course, Growing up, you had your little squabbles between siblings. Um, but we've just always been very close and loving and fun. There's a lot of laughter. Dogs can't laugh, but there's a lot of laughter in our family. And I think that's a huge thing because people, like I said, take life so seriously. And, you know, when you don't laugh, it's kind of drudgery who wants to be around you. And, so yeah, I'd say, you know, lots of laughter, lots of food. We all love to eat mm-hmm. and cook. So, you got to yeah, have that's food. A big thing. <laughs> Yes, good. You know, cooking and and eating—that's you break bread together, you talk around the table, and um, family dinners was always important. And we all do that at our own homes now with our kids. So, um, I think that's that's all contributing. Oh, that sounds good. That's those are some good tips too. I know that wasn't 
on your schedule for notes today, <laughs> but I just I needed to know that because I've, I've enjoyed your vacation pictures with your sisters and with your family and with, you, you know. So it's, just, it's been good. And each week you bring us great nuggets. We have the Mindset Minutes that we have on Mondays with you, and then we get to hear from you live once a month, and we can follow your blog. There's so many ways to connect with you and your positive energy. Give them your website and, and your closing remarks before you go today. Okay, I do have a take action, and um, I have these cute little things. It's called dog wisdom. I'm just going to read it real quickly, and then I'll give you the take action. Um, So dog wisdom, be brave no matter your size. Have a mind of your own. Make your own fun. Be loyal and faithful. Chase after your dreams. Take a nap. Never stop playing, wag more and bark less, be quick to forgive, learn new tricks no matter what your age is, love unconditionally, and make new friends. Dog wisdom. (laughs) Those are good ones. So this week, the take action is we're going to try to all act like a dog. So I want you to think about these character traits. Hopefully you've taken some notes. And just try to incorporate them into your daily lives and encourage other people to do the same. So act like a dog. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Deanna. And your website is? Okay. To continue your journey to be a better you, join me at metothepowerofwe.com because together is better. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Mm, Thank you. <laughs> but y'all ever been hungry in church? How many of y'all in here ever been hungry in church? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 You, you ever got so hungry in church? <laughs> so you start looking forward to taking communion? <laughs> Come on, Pastor, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Come on. Wrap it up. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you the time when you be the homeless, though. And y'all know. It's when you be on that fast, I'm all right? And I don't know why they call it a fast. Because the meal go by super slow. <laughs> y'all, one time, y'all, our pastor told us to fast. He had them preaching and everything. He said, I want y'all to fast. Tomorrow. I was like, hold up, tomorrow? I need a warning. What you think? Look, I want tomorrow. Man. He said, I want y'all to fans from six to six. Now that's six in the morning to six in the evening. I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I woke up the next morning feeling good. I was like, today I'm a fans from six. Just sit. <laughs> sit so free out of nowhere, I just start smelling busy. <laughs> 607, I was leaving hard, as y'all know. <laughs> there wasn't nobody but the dog. Oh. <laughs>
Brian Parker of Bright Tan Travel, and today 
uh, we are going to talk about cruises. Um, just recently, um, another uh, highlight on the news uh, was a cruise ship actually having to uh, turn back into port in the New York area because uh, a lot of people on the uh, boat got sick. And when I talk to people about cruises, you know, the, the funny thing is is that folks are already afraid to uh, travel or get on cruises for a lot of reasons. Uh, some people don't like boats. Some people don't like uh, the water. And when the things pop up on the news, <coughs> excuse me, it actually uh, does a disservice to people from the standpoint that it causes them to overreact, overreact to uh, uh, what's really happening. So I wanted to spend a few minutes to clarify, are cruises safe? Now, you can Google this and probably find uh, five or six different angles from people um, that somebody will tell you they're perfectly safe, somebody will tell you they're not safe at all, and honestly, um, I'm going to just tell you, <clears throat> I'm going to answer that question straight off the bat by saying that cruises are just as safe as any other means of transportation out there. So if you wanted uh, it to be a yes or a no, I'm not going to give you a yes or a no because um, I think the concept of safety, the misperception of what safety is and what it isn't, can make you feel a little misled if the answer was strictly just a yes or no. So I'm not going to tell you that <clears throat> cruises are any safer than you walking out of your house and not getting hit by a stray bullet. And that sounds kind of crazy, but those things have actually happened. Um, the, the truth of the matter is you just never know. And now in saying that just because you never know doesn't mean that you can't uh, make very informed decisions. And that's really what it comes down to. Information is always going to be the key. So the more you know, the better chance you have to protect yourself and to make sure that um, you're being as safe as possible by being as diligent as possible and finding out information. So what does all that mumbo-jumbo mean? It means investigate. Uh, for example, if you were uh, looking to buy a family vehicle, I know a lot of people will go online and they will find out what the vehicle safety rating is because maybe they have children and they want to make sure that in the event of impact, um, the vehicle uh, will be able to withstand typical uh, points of contact, whether it's a front hit, a side hit, getting rear-ended, and you've got a child in a car seat, how is that vehicle going to stand up? There are actual ratings for that so that it gives you information. At the same time, those ratings do not guarantee that without a doubt, no one will ever die from a car crash. You know, they, they would never mislead you that way. So I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm going to tell you that there's uh, things that you can do. You can research. If you're cruising, you can research the ship um, to see what kind of safety ratings that it's had um, and then be able to make your decisions based off of that. I would encourage you, if you are going to do that, make sure that the sites that you visit are credible sites. Um, like I said, in this day and age, in 2014, anybody with uh, Wi-Fi access and a, and a computer 
or a smartphone can be a critic and can blog and give all kinds of information that a lot of times is not really factual. It's more of a personal sense of information. And they don't mean any harm by that, but a lot of times uh, it's not being very subjective at all. It's coming from that person's objective. Um, so you have to be really, really careful with that because in getting the information, you want to make sure that it is based on facts and you're not piggybacking on someone else's feelings. One of those sites that I would recommend um, when we start talking about things like uh, viruses and uh, things like that to go around, and one of the most popular viruses on the ship is the Norwalk virus. Um, and I'll explain what that is in just a second, but if you go to the Center for Disease Control, is a federal agency um, that monitors uh, all kinds of outbreaks from bird flu to different kinds of flu strands, salmonella poisoning, things of that nature. They also uh, have what they call a vessel inspection report card. So if you go to the Center for Disease Control's uh, main page, you'll be able to find a vessel inspection form and any ship that sails, they actually get on it and they inspect it um, a couple of months out of the year and they give a different rating. So if you're knowing that what cruise line you're sailing with, <clears throat> excuse me, and you want to check on their uh, rating, you can do that and see what kind of things, What number one, you'll see what overall number they have. Like we have a cruise coming up um, in October of this year for the inaugural first annual This Needs to Be Said cruise. And the actual rating on that ship this past October was a 94%, which is pretty good. And three months before that, it was actually 100. So um, it has a pretty good standing uh, over the last couple of inspections. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so that makes you feel a little bit better about the ship, knowing that somebody's actually watching it. Now, that inspection does not say that the engine will not catch on fire. Um, it doesn't say that you are 100% guaranteed that the Norwalk virus will not affect your cruise. No more than if anyone that has small children knows that when you send your children to daycare, there's a very good chance that your kids will come back home and get the entire family sick because of all of the other little kids that they had been around. I want to put it in that kind of perspective because that's exactly what happens on a cruise. You're on a ship with 2,000 to 3,000 people that you don't know, that you may touch a surface, a doorknob, um, anything that you come into common contact with, and it could get you sick. So you want to pre uh, prevent a spread by thoroughly washing your hands, uh, properly sanitizing and things of that nature. The ships are required to make sure that any ready-to-eat uh, things that they're handling uh, with, uh, without bare hands and things of that nature because Norwalk is something that can just be transmitted from one person to another by just touching, just contact. So, uh, and, it and it can live on a surface. So you have to make sure that the surfaces have been properly sanitized. Um, when taking a glass from someone or sharing glasses, anything like that, you want to just make sure that you're doing what you can to keep the risk and threat of it down. With all of that said, is it a 100% guarantee? Absolutely not. There's no guarantee that when you drive from work to home or vice versa 
that uh, something um, unforeseen isn't going to happen. They're in risk all day long. What happens is now in our uh, environment, our 24-hour news cycle, those things get highlighted on, and it strikes fear in people. It's more for information, but it actually puts more fear in you. So now the Norwalk virus, like I said, is just a virus that is easy to get um, because it comes from contacts from different people. Of course, you can't see it. Um, and it basically is a gastroenteritis uh, where it just causes heavy vomiting. Um, it can cause dehydration because you're vomiting so much. It's pretty much flu-like symptoms. Um, it lasts for one to three days, and you pretty much rest. You drink a lot of fluid, and you're over it. But it does feel like the flu. It's very uncomfortable and causes your body to do things that you probably don't want it to do. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's pretty much uh, how that works. Um, like I said, though, I want everyone to realize that uh, just the way that things are broadcast, it's no different than uh, getting in a car or even getting on an airplane. I mean, if uh, people responded the way to cruises that they would to airlines, the airline industry would go out of business. Um, I think the only reason the airlines don't is that people see the necessity of being able to fly 500 miles in a few hours versus driving and getting there in a, in a day or two. Um, so there is a built-in need for airlines to do well. Cruises are, again, just as safe um, as any of those other outlets, trains, uh, cars, anything that you can think of. So that's something that I just wanted you to think about. And uh, also, today is the uh, last day to get in any deposits for the uh, This Needs to Be Said Cruise 2014. If you've already signed up, please check online for any information that we'll be uh, posting regarding uh, more deposits, uh, online payments that you can make, payment arrangements that you can make if you've gotten behind. We want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to uh, get on the cruise and uh uh, hopefully we'll see you there. And that's what I have this week. I'm Brian Parker uh, coming to you from beautiful, warm, sunny Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where the temperatures are starting to warm back up after our uh, last week uh, ice. And I uh, hope everyone is doing well. If you'd like to reach out to me for uh, the This Needs to Be Said cruise or any other travel with spring break and summertime coming up, uh, this is when I start to get a little busy, so um, if you would like to get in touch with me, please do so. You can go to brightantravel.com, B-R-I-T-A-N, travel, or go to my uh, Facebook page, forward slash brightantravel. Join the page, and uh, stay tuned for more information. Thanks again. Y'all have a good day. one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment and yet each of us has awakened, arisen 
somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, morning, how are you? Fine, thanks, and you? It's amazing. Wherever that abides in the human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed a celibate, we rise.
Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened, arisen, uh, somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, Morning, how are you? Fine thanks in you. It's amazing. Wherever that abides in the human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness affect you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just because I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons with the certainty of tides. Just like hope springing high. Still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes. Shoulders falling down like teardrops. Weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. <laughs> As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh. Does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak miraculously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, naturally, there I go right. There will never be a point in your time in your life where it's the right time to do a great thing. If you're waiting for that perfect, perfect moment, that perfect timing is not going to happen. You know what you have to do? You have to create the perfect time and the perfect opportunity and the perfect situation. So that a lot of people become comfortable. They stop growing, they stop wanting anything, they, they become satisfied. People getting ready to go to jobs that they don't like, jobs that are making them sick. You see, when you're not pursuing your goal, you are literally committing spiritual suicide. When you have some goal out here that you're stretching for and reaching for, that takes you out of your comfort zone, you'll find out some talents and abilities you have that you didn't know you have. When the messenger of misery visits you, what are you going to do? What will keep you in the game?
there are things that you think you'll never need to know that you may only need to know one time in your life but that could save your life because you had that knowledge unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered you will never grow what is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it that you talked yourself out of it you're waiting on your next door neighbor to make it happen for you, it may not happen. If you're waiting on your mother or your father, they may be so ancient in their thinking that they don't understand this opportunity that you have. And if you're waiting on them, it may never get done. You don't beg average people to be phenomenal. You don't beg good people to be phenomenal. You just are phenomenal and you will attract phenomenal. What reason can you remember that you can call on, that you can reach on, that can make you get back up? Find that reason. If you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, if you don't have what you want, want to have, if you're not where you think you should be at this particular place, it has nothing to do with the system, but it has everything to do with the fact that you're not making the sacrifice. I want you to make that dream become a reality because if you don't, you will be working for somebody else to make their dreams become a reality. Everybody is against you or don't believe in you no more. And let me tell you something, that's a lonely feeling. It's a lonely feeling, particularly people that you're doing it for. Most people take their greatness, take their ideas to the graveyard with them. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. There are people right now who are working who don't want to work. There are people who hate their job, but they keep getting up to do it. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we never ever were exposed to. Ideas, dreams that never became reality. Hopes and aspirations that were never acted upon. The question is what are you going to do with your time? What drives you? Greatness is a lot of small things done well. Day after day. Workout after workout, obedience after obedience, day after day. When things don't work out for you, when things happen that you could not anticipate, what are the reasons that you can think of that can keep you strong? You will never ever be successful until you turn your pain into greatness, until you allow your pain to push you from where you are to push you to where you need to be. Stop running from your pain and embrace your pain. Your pain is going to be a part of your pride, a part of your product. I, I challenge you to push yourself. See, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. It doesn't take any motivation, any drive in order to stay down there on a low level. But it calls on everything in you. You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. I mean that what you did last week don't count. Today, today is the only important day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, and how you use those are critical. You got 86,400 today, and what you do today is going to see me who you are. Nobody's going to talk about what you did last week. That the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. There's an old African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm.
you have this opportunity of a lifetime. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take advantage of it in the lifetime of this opportunity. I got a thing that when life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for, to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep if all that you dream and scheme is about it, life seems useless and worthless without it. It's time now. If you want to make this your decade, you've got to start saying yes to your life. You've got to start saying yes to your dreams, yes to your unfolding future, yes to your potential, as opposed to saying no. When you die, die on east. Leave no dream left behind, God. Leave no opportunity left behind. When you leave this earth, accomplish every single thing you can accomplish. Listen to me. You're going to be here one day, but you'll never get here if you give up, if you give in, if you quit. And finally, guys, you got to want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you gained something from what has been shared. Special thanks to the creators of the TNTBS jingle. It was written by Lamont Champ Josie and composed by Robert Jenkins. Special thanks to our sponsors, Restoration Ministries, Church of God in Christ, where they're restoring the world through God's Word. They're located at 1204 Commercial Avenue, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Men of Action with LaShawn Huntley, promoting social change one man at a time. They are located at Men of Action, .web.officelive.com Therapeutic Concepts, Inc. with Asha Sims. They can be found at www.tconceptsinc.org Center for Sexual Health and Education with Dr. Willahan. A Lifetime of Great Sex. They can be found at www.bestsexualadvice.com Thank you to everyone who supports us by logging into the chat room, hanging out with us on the phone lines, and just logging in and listening online, period. Be sure to tune in each weekday at 2 p.m. right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash this needs to be said. Tell someone about the great show you just heard. Heck, if you thought it sucked, tell them anyway. Either way, tell them to tune in and share their opinion with us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email is let's talk at this needs to be said.com. There is an elephant in the room, and hey, we're going to talk about it. You were thinking it? We're going to talk about it. Until we meet again in the same place at the same time, have a super day. <laughs>